You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Final hour on this Thursday. Boy, I hope you got a chance to hear Rex Chapman. He joined us last hour. He's really a treat. I mean, he admits he's a flawed man, but aren't we all? But he puts those flaws out there and he just wide ranging interview. And he's got one of the better social media uh, handles there with what he talks about. Really entertaining. And he was a big deal at Kentucky. And uh, he certainly was a, a player to be reckoned with when he was in the NBA. But he, I, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart with Rex because he's one of those guys it feels like when, when it's all done and then you kind of take off the uniform and then you come outside and you go, where did everybody go? That's what it felt like it happened with Rex Chapman. You're praised, lauded, you make this money, you come outside, and all of a sudden it's done. He looks out around and goes, where did everybody go? And I think that he's still been searching for that for quite some time. But I, I appreciate his honesty. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN Senior NBA Insider, set to join us. And Woj, on the clock yesterday, was set to join us. And all of a sudden he sends a note to Fritzy saying, can't do it. Got some breaking news here. So then moments later, two minutes later, I see, oh, Woj is reporting. This is the new format, 22 teams. And Woj joins us unless a story breaks and then you'll leave us again, Woj. But thank you for coming back. Explain the information, the story that you broke yesterday. Uh, Hey, Dan. Uh, Yeah, essentially uh, the format that, you know, we had been reporting on that was headed toward today's vote with the league's owners, the board of governors, um, had been presented formally to the owners, which is a 22-team format in Orlando, uh, five teams from the West, one from the East, in addition to the 16 teams that were already slotted in the playoffs, and then a play-in tournament. I heard you – you've got to read it a couple times to get how that works. (laughs) But essentially, you're going to play out – you're going to have eight regular season games, I'm told. And at the end of those eight regular season games, if the ninth seed is inside of four games out, then they have a play-in tournament. If he's four and a half games or five games out, then the eighth seed goes on to the playoffs. Okay. Is it going to be East and West designation, or are we all under one roof here? It will be East and West. And there was some conversation around the league about making it a one through 16. But I think in the end, what part of the decision-making I was told with Adam Silver was you know, that to, to change that in the middle of a season when, for example, you know, teams built their rosters to compete with teams in their conference and to compete there, and then to all of a sudden change that um, didn't seem to be – it was too dramatic and sudden of a change, and they kept it in the, in the two conferences, East and West. The home court advantage, the higher seeds, what is the commissioner? It it felt like there were quite a few things on the table here. Dave McMenamin of uh, ESPN had some of those. But but what is real in giving the higher seeds a so-called home court advantage? Well, they'll get to wear their white jerseys. Yeah. I think maybe they'll get to decide what color (laughs) they wear. Uh, I do not believe there is any appetite anywhere in the NBA outside of perhaps the Lakers and the Bucks, uh, the two top seeds in each conference, to give those teams an advantage. Uh, so uh, I think they'll, they'll go to Orlando. They'll compete like everybody else. Maybe there'll be a better parking spot for their star player uh, at the Grand Floridian. But other than that, 
they're going to have to win straight up. Why late July? Why will it take that long? Well, you know, part of it is getting the teams back into market, quarantined, and then the time it's going to take to get them back into shape. They're not going to just put them into a training camp. It's going to be essentially a couple weeks of individual uh, training, similar to what they've been doing in these voluntary workouts. But the league and there's medical science people are uneasy about the idea of going to full contact, five-on-five, regular practices at the team's sites when the players aren't going to be living in a bubble environment. They worry in that way. They want them to still be distanced um, at that time until they get to Orlando. And so part of the conversation, Dan, with the teams is, well, then let's get to Orlando sooner and maybe do more of our training camp there when we can run it like a real practice They're very concerned about injuries, soft tissue injuries, the things that happen when you're off and you get thrown back in because they don't want, they don't want just this season to keep this season from being impacted. But next season, you don't want injuries that let's say the Blazers come back and maybe they don't make the, the, you know, the playoffs, maybe they don't get in the play in or win, but you don't want Damian Lillard getting injured or Yusuf Nurkic to come back and get hurt again because you haven't done Uh, what's needed in camp time. And so that's what is going to ultimately, you know, make people look and go, geez, this thing seems like it should start sooner. But but that's a big consideration to give the players the time they need. I know the Christmas uh, that uh, the NBA loves its Christmas schedule. And if you're looking at how this season is going to impact next season, best guess of when next season would start. Dan, I, I would be really surprised if it started later then Christmas Day, that's such an important day for television, for the league. The idea of being dark on Christmas Day and not having NBA games, I don't, I don't think that's an option the league really wants to consider. But certainly, if the NBA Finals right now were to go to a seventh game based on the schedule that they've uh, lined up and that they've shared with the teams, you know, I was told October 12th would be the final date. And so if you're a team in the NBA Finals, even a team that goes to the conference finals, that's a pretty quick turnaround uh, to starting camp, let's say around maybe right after Thanksgiving, a month of camp. But you've also been off for a long time. Your offseason is kind of now. You're coming back. You're going to play for a burst of time here and then uh, come back with a shortened start of next season. But uh, it will put the league on a different trajectory by starting in late December where it's going to take you again through the summer months next year to finish a season. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN Senior NBA Insider, his podcast, The Woj Pod. The Zion factor here, Woj, is there a Zion factor of getting him at least on the periphery of the playoffs? Well, I think there's no question that he is uh, a star. He's been a star attraction very quickly in the league, Um, I think you could make the argument that they were – if New Orleans was where Phoenix was, five and a half games back, like I think you could make the argument, hey, they're really reaching (laughs) to get New Orleans and Zion in this tournament. But the fact that New Orleans was just three and a half games back along with uh, the Blazers and Trailblazers, I think that is – while I'm sure that – they love the idea. It doesn't look as though, or it doesn't appear as though 
they had to sort of, you know, bend backwards to make it happen. I think there's more of a case that maybe the teams at number 21 and 22, Washington and Phoenix, I mean, they're right on the border being able to make a compelling argument that they still were playoff contenders. How is the NBA going to decide which members of the media get to cover these games? I have no idea. I, of all the questions I've asked, that is, <laughs> that has not been one I've tried to waste my bullets on or spend much time on. I, I don't know what that'll look like. I do know this. They, they really want to limit who's in that campus bubble environment. And I think what it might also be, Dan, there might be different, different layers of people. There might be like a, like a group, like one phase that does have daily interaction with players. That would be pretty limited. And then another group that's maybe on the periphery. And then another group that's just within Disney, but not around the gym. I think it may look something like that, but, in terms of like broadcasters, those announcers being on site, um, I don't have an answer as to how they're going to do that, whether they're going to be in the building, whether they're going to be doing it uh, uh, from uh, their homes or from a studio somewhere. Um, but it, it's certainly going to be uh, one of the, those will start to be more of the questions I think asked as we dig deeper into the details here and we get past the boat today. I still, I, I cringe when I hear this, uh, that there'll be an asterisk by whoever wins this title. And my point is, there's only an asterisk if the Lakers win this. This is the LeBron factor that nobody, if the Greek freak wins a title, nobody's attaching an asterisk by this. Or if, you know, Kawhi wins another one. It's just, LeBron is so polarizing here that, hey, that doesn't really count as a full championship. I'm just waiting for these talking points, Woj. Of, yep, LeBron, he won a title. The whole season has an asterisk by it. But it feels like if LeBron wins a title, that he'll have an asterisk by it. See, I actually think it might be just the opposite of that, Dan. That I think if one of the teams that was considered the favorite, a Mm -hmm. team that's a a one seat potentially in the West, if they hold on to that, I think that there'll be more legitimacy if it's the Lakers or the Clippers or Milwaukee. But if a team that's maybe was in that next tier wins and it feels fluky to people, because typically in the NBA, you know this, Dan, the best team almost always wins. That's not true in the NCAA tournament. Uh, That might not be true in football where it's a one game. But in a best of seven, the best team wins. And I think if if it's one of the teams that are in that two, three, four, how many do we want to put in it? Yeah. I I think it has more legitimacy than, let's say – a next tier team jumps up and and uh, gets hot and steals the title and wins it. I, I think that's would actually be a, more of a team that might be seen less than legitimate. I can't make you a programmer at ESPN because you don't understand programming, Woj. You got to have clicks. You got to have hot takes. You're not getting a hot take if the 76ers win the title. Come on, you and your journalism here. How dare you? You got to – Skip Bayless is saying, what's wrong with you, Woj? Don't you understand? It's got to be about LeBron all the time. Well, listen, it's going to be – there's no question that I think the star power of this summer is going to have to carry the league because you're going to have an environment – like, here's what I'm curious about, Dan. I think the basketball junkies, you're going to watch – I'm going to watch – the, the casual fan who gets 
brought into the finals or the conference finals, uh, who, you know, increases your audience exponentially that time of year. I, I do wonder how the environment around the game impacts. I mean, here LeBron makes some incredible play and the Bucks call timeout and normally the place would be going crazy. And is everyone just going to quietly walk to the huddle and the timeout? And I do wonder. Mm. And so, and, and I do think the league's going to account for that. I think there's going to be some bells and whistles around the environment and some of it may have to be manufactured. It's going to be really interesting to see what it looks and feels like uh, in the arena, in these games, you know, summer league games in Orlando, we've had those for years. And I mean, you could literally listen to you a guy could be shooting a free throw, Dan. And if you were listening close enough on NBA TV, you could hear like two GMs in the corner talking about a trade. <laughs> and so it was not a electric environment. I thought you were going to say you could listen. If you listen closely enough, you could hear the guy's heartbeat at the free throw line. <laughs> but uh, are we doing it's best of seven throughout for every series? Best of seven. And that was one of, in the terms of what you're talking about, Dan, and having legitimacy and, and crowning a champion yeah. that people were going to take seriously. I know that was an important priority for Adam Silver, that whatever led up to the finals or the playoffs, I should say, regular season games and then play in, that, that the tournament itself, the playoffs needed to be best of seven. And listen, you're asking for trouble if you have a first-round series that's best of five. Like if you want to see the Lakers get upset or the Bucks to get upset, make the other team only have to win three games. And so to me, it never made sense. If you wanted to be sure the best team advanced, don't have a shortened series. Woj, great stuff. Thank you. Uh, Thank we appreciate, appreciate your time. That's uh, okay. uh, we, uh, you know, we recommend Polynesian village for you. Oh, well, uh, the wilderness lodge. I remember reporting out the 2011 lockout at four in the morning <laughs> in the lobby. Cause my family was sleeping. That's my great Disney memory. <laughs> Thank you, Woj. That's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, the ESPN Senior NBA Insider, and his podcast is the Woj Pod. All right, that clears up a few things there. And uh, the fact that it's going to be east-west, that you don't want to have too many gimmicks here. The fact that they were thinking, hey, we'll give uh, one player on your team seven fouls to commit, or we'll give the higher seed the ball second, third, fourth quarter to start the quarter. Hey, you can bring your own home court to have home court advantage. And, and I understand what Woj is saying, that the asterisk will be attached to if you have the Celtics win the title or if you have, not Utah, because throw in a fluky team there, then, then it feels like you might have an asterisk there. It just feels like any, any way, any how that these talk show hosts can get LeBron in and somehow be critical of LeBron then that's usually what they try to do. Clicks is what it's all about. McLovin, uh, what's the poll question? I forgot all about it. Uh, I haven't told you. Do you want me to tell you now? Yeah. Uh, Will you stop being a baseball fan if they don't play this season? I know. That's why I put it up without your permission. I know. 84% said no, they won't stop being a fan. I was surprised. I thought that everyone was turning off. I don't know if you can stop being a fan. Maybe you're not as loyal. Like you, you're going to lose the casual fan. I think the baseball fan will always be there. But now they're. It feels like the owners are saying fifty games, and that's it. It's fifty games. And I'm trying to understand the rationale here. The players want more games, therefore more money. The owners will lose more money with each game because rough estimates now. 
the owners make about a half million dollars with each home game with all the fans and concessions, parking and all of that. That rough estimate. If you're going to have more games and I lose more money, then the owners are going to steadfastly say, we're not giving you 114. We're not giving you 100 games. The, it, it's, a, it's a taffy tug of war here with a big dollar sign in the middle. The owners are saying, we want to keep our money. We're losing it without fans. The players are saying, even without fans, we want to have more games because we want our paychecks to be bigger. That's sort of at the crux of this. And I don't know what that solution is. Do the owners get to 75 games? Is 75 enough for the players? Do they need to get to 100? So all the other leagues moving forward. And here we have baseball stuck in neutral. Yeah, McLevin. Talk about an asterisk. You could have Jacob DeGrom. They could pitch him every three. It's like the playoffs start with game one. You could just burn out your star pitchers and have weird teams. Yeah, with 50 games. Would it be exciting maybe? Oh, yeah. Look, at this stage, I'm okay with anything. It's not ideal, but this is one year, one season, one moment that will never happen again in our lifetimes. Okay, just let's get sports back. That's what I'd like to see. Just get it back. We'll work out the other details here, all right? Uh, 18 after the hour, we'll check in with Dana White, the UFC president. He'll join us coming up next. More phone calls, we'll get to those as well. 19 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. More phone calls coming up, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Covered a lot of ground here today. Certainly a lot of Drew Brees in the first hour. That bled over a little bit into the second hour. You can go back and listen to the show, the podcast, if you missed anything here. And I encourage you to listen to Rex Chapman, former NBA player, who joined us last hour. And I just thought he was wonderful. There's always this feeling with Rex that what you're getting is who he really is. He doesn't hide from anything. Neither does Dana White. Uh... The New England native uh, joining us. We have the uh, featherweight championship this Saturday. UFC president Dana White. He joins us on the program. Dana, you still a, a Patriots fan? I am a Patriots fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'll, I'll be a for, for life. But I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm a little interested in what's going on down in Florida now too, because I'm such a huge Brady fan and Gronk. So uh, I'll be I'll be following two teams this year. How much did that hurt though when you realized Brady was leaving town? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it hurt everybody. You know, it, it's one of those things where a guy who's brought so much uh, enjoyment and fun and, you know, uh, a lot of incredible Sundays over the last 10 years, thanks to him. And uh, you'd like to see him retire in New England, but it doesn't did, work did out. Did you think you had a chance of talking him into going to the Raiders? I did. Have a chance. <laughs> I did. I, I think that he was very interested in the Raiders. Okay, but, but that's hey, that's none of my business. That's none of my business. Yeah, but you're you're kind of the conduit. You're the liaison there. You were the power broker there. That uh, Tom, here's Mark Davis. We got the Raiders in Vegas. How do we make this work? Apparently, I wasn't. Okay, <laughs> apparently, I wasn't the power broker. I thought I was, and I tried to be, but I wasn't. 
If somebody didn't realize what had happened the last two months with UFC, how would you sum up the last two months for your sport? Um, it, you know, it, it, it's funny me saying this. If you look at where we came from, uh, no television, uh, no pay-per-view, all the things when we started, uh, not sanctioned by any state, to say that the last two months has been probably the hardest two months of my career <laughs> is pretty hilarious. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I always believed that we could pull this thing off. We could do it, and we could do it safely. And, and, and now I don't, I don't know know the number off the top of my head, but I'm going into my fifth or sixth fight this Saturday um, during a pandemic and, you know, all the other things that are going on in the world right now. Uh, we're moving, we're, we're cranking. But what was the biggest hurdle through the last two months? Uh, you know, I have been getting blasted by the media. Um, and, and when I say that, you know, being blasted by the media. These guys were literally trying to do everything in their power to make these events not happen, from calling athletic commissions to politicians to venues, you know, you name it. You know, people did not, and when I say people, I mean media, did not want this event to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think I pissed off a lot of people when I made it happen. But not your fans. And that's no, all you care about. that's all I care about. Yeah. Exactly. Not my fans, not my fighters, and not my employees. So how, that's the only group of people I'm concerned with. How many times have you been tested for coronavirus? So today, to, to, today, after today and tomorrow, I'll have been tested seven times for COVID-19 and six antibody tests. Any positives? No positives. How many fighters have tested positive? well that we've tested we've tested out of all the fighters that we've tested one but there was another fighter out of new york who had tested positive on his own and uh and and got through it had no no problems did you actually look at buying an island are you still looking at buying an island no, well, we do. We we have Fight Island. The the infrastructure is is coming together. Probably in the next week, I'll start releasing pictures uh, of Fight Island. And, and and yeah, because when you look at our business, Dan, I, I started looking at all the problems we're probably going to have. And as this thing started to escalate and get crazier and crazier, the number one problem is and will be for a while is getting people in from other countries. And we are a, a global business. We have fighters from all over the world. And I can't keep putting on fights in the United States without having international fights or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke through all of my talent in the U.S. So um, we're looking at like, I think it's June, uh, June 27th will probably be our first fight on Fight Island. Why don't you just have a resort, like a UFC resort? <laughs> Times are tough. I, I don't know if I can be building <laughs> resorts right now. Um, but, uh, you know, w w w this thing will be nice. It will make do. And, it will, you know, th these guys will have a place where they can come uh, from, from all over the world. And it will be safe. And these guys will be able to compete. And they'll be able to make a living. If John Jones had stayed out of trouble, let's say the last six, seven years, would would he be the face of still be the face of UFC? You you would think so. You, you know, at the time when you look at John Jones at one point in his career, on his trunks, on one side he had Nike, on the other side he had Gatorade. You know, and and, and I I truly believe 
that he is the greatest of all time. And imagine if John Jones had been doing the right things outside of the octagon, training, getting better, all this stuff. He is such a freak of nature and such a good athlete. God knows what he could have accomplished. Listen, I, I think very highly of LeBron James. If you, if I'm a Celtics fan, but you, you can't not like John uh, LeBron James, and you cannot deny the work ethic that this guy has. All the good things that he's done. When he goes on to a team, he raises the level of, of, of all the players, and, and he wins championships, or he gets you close. Um, and, and I think that when I say to, that John Jones could have been the LeBron James of the sport, it is the ultimate compliment. Yeah. Can you work together anymore? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, listen, th- this isn't our first falling out, and it definitely will not be our last. Did you ever want to fight Conor McGregor? Did I want to fight him? Like out of the ring. Dan, I'm 50 years old. I don't want to fight anybody. <laughs> well, I, I know, but did you ever get angry enough where I, you just wanted I fight to grab to get him? on a treadmill every day. <laughs> trust me. The last thing I want to do is fight any of these guys. No, no. Listen, you know, I, I have 600 and something alpha male and females under contract. <laughs> We're going to butt heads and there's going to be problems and, th- and things are going to happen. But at the end of the day, um, I, I have the utmost respect for these guys and girls and how hard they train and what they do. And uh, believe me, the last thing I'm looking to do is fight any of these guys. What about Glazer? You against Jay Glazer. <laughs> I'd watch. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Wait. Everybody, everybody wants to see Glazer get his ass kicked. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> Will you tell the story of why you left Boston? Yeah, so I was uh, I was doing I, I was in the boxing business back there, and to make ends meet, me and me and my partner used to train, um, you know, executives, anybody that wanted to learn how to how to box. And uh, we had a nice little business going. And uh, I was teaching a class one day at one of the local health clubs, and these two guys walked in right in the middle of my class and asked me, uh, "We need to talk to you outside." Like, I'm in the middle of a class. I was thinking, who the hell are these guys? Are they uh, with the club or whatever? So I, they were pretty adamant that we needed to talk. So we went out into the hallway, and uh, I figured out who they were. And, you know, basically, they wanted money. I got a call one day. This is from, the mob. Yeah, this is the mob. I got a call one day. Um, I, I They wanted, like, 1500 bucks from me, 2500 bucks, whatever the number was. I don't remember, but – you know, at that time, might as well might as well have been twenty five thousand dollars to me, and uh, you know, I ignored it and hoped it would go away. And one day, I was at my apartment and I got a call saying, um, "You know, you got till tomorrow at one o'clock to pay us." I said, "Or what?" And I said, "Are you going to find out?" I literally hung up the phone, picked it back up, and called Delta and got a one way <laughs> ticket back to Vegas. <laughs> Did you ever hear from these guys? They never went to Vegas. No. So what happened was, uh, you know, a few months after that is when all the stuff went down and they started digging up bodies down at the beach and, you know, Whitey Bulger fled and, you know, all that stuff happened, you know, a few months after I left. You ever come in contact with Whitey Bulger? No, never did. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, no, it's a great thing. Or, or his guys, any of his guys. So, yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, the fight this weekend, you want to give the the uh, plug here? Yeah, I mean, first of all, stack card, tons of great fights. And uh, at the end of the day, when you tune in for a sporting event 
and especially a fight, you want a couple of those moments where you jump out of the chair, you know, look at everybody and everybody's going crazy. We have a few of those fights on here. And obviously the main event, Amanda Nunes versus uh, Felicia Spencer. Amanda Nunes has beat the who's who of mixed martial arts. She is the greatest female fighter of all time and one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. It is fun to see her work and she doesn't just win. She finishes people. So great main event. But this isn't even she's uh, Ronda Rousey's not even in her league. Well, she fought Ronda Rousey. Yeah. You know, Ronda, Ronda was the woman that, that made everything blow up. Ronda Rousey showed the world that women can fight and women can sell tickets and women can make as much money as men. Ronda Rousey was the pioneer that blew the whole lid off this thing. Um, and then, you know, you had all these women that were unbelievable in all these different weight classes, these women that are unbelievable and people love to watch the women fight. Amanda Nunes has beat them all and beat them all convincingly. And, uh, you know, she's the best to ever do it. When you saw Holly Holm take out Ronda Rousey, what'd you think? It was crazy. It was, we, we were in a, uh, in a stadium in, uh, in Australia, and the fight was so hot. Everybody was saying that Holly Holm had no chance and she couldn't win. So it was one of those shock-the-world moments. And Holly Holm became incredibly famous after that fight. Yeah, I always wondered that if you're a promoter and you see one of your stars go down. Now, I know that means another star steps up, but this is Ronda Rousey, and you're looking at what that means for the box office. Yeah, well, eventually, eventually, you know, every star ends up going away, whether it's here in NBA or NFL. But I, I was very close to Ronda Rousey to have an amazing relationship with her. We're close friends. So it, the, the weird thing about this business is you become close to these kids and then you've watched them fight. And, and you know, many, many times there's two people fighting that you really care about. And it's it's uh it's a crazy business. But, you know, it's, it's but Dana, I was weird. wondering about this where, you know, you can see where like a fighter's soul is taken. You know, it felt like Ronda Rousey when she lost. She lost more than just a fight. Did, did you sense that? Well, what happens is, and especially for somebody like Ronda Rousey, who, who uh, you know, blew the lid off this whole thing and literally changed the game for women. Uh, she was under tremendous pressure 24-7. The media started to get to her. The uh, the. the uh, you know, the, the pressure of continuing to fight and win and win and win and win. Um, she's trying to do movies. She was trying to, uh, you know, create her own TV show. She had a, she had a lot on her plate. And, uh, you know, it, it, it gets to be a lot. Yeah, I just, I just wondered about that where, you know, I've seen where guys lose a fight, boxers, and you just see it. It's like they just don't want to do – they lose more than just a, a bout. They lose more than just a fight. There's something that's – like I always thought Tyson, when he lost uh, in, in, uh, to Buster Douglas, he lost more than just a fight that night. He lost his right. invincibility, and it felt like that Ronda lost her invincibility because we didn't think that she could lose. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. But sometimes when that happens and somebody loses like that and they disappear and they go away, Ronda Rousey went right to the WWE, killed it over there, became a huge superstar for them, and she's continuing to do things. So I, I don't know if that was the case as much as I think the, the, the mounting tremendous amount of pressure, you yeah. know. Yeah, that, that was finally a, wiped her out. Amazing run there, uh, Dana. Good to talk to you. Have fun this uh, this weekend, and we appreciate your time. And you know, I would look into that fight island uh, retreat uh, resort. <laughs> you know, it'd be great. It, you know, you could have fun rides there. I could stay in the um, McGregor Conor McGregor suite. 
you know, we, we could come up with some things. Tap out restaurant. I think we're good. I mean, we got I got it. I got it, Dana. I got it. Let's talk. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. That's See you, buddy. Have a great weekend. That's Dana White, UFC president. Action coming up this weekend. Yeah, Paul. I think this is a fantastic idea. Come on. Like, tap out restaurant. No. It's like Branson, Missouri for getting punched in the face. What's what's on tap at tap out bar? You know, you could have like uh, you could have beers named after the fighters. The bouncers are former UFC fighters. Ooh. If someone gets out of line, they Ooh. just hammer them. Do you have like a little cage where you could go in? Remember when they had the, the bull riding? And you could go in and did anybody ever ride a bull in one of those bars, those country western bars back then? I went to one on the Sunset Strip. And I Paulie and I went with Rob Dibble and Sean Salisbury, and we went in to ride the bull. It's called like something ranch on Sunset. And it has a mechanical bull. Yeah, I don't know if it's still there. I'm assuming it's not still there, but uh I do remember we went in, and I'm thinking, what's it called, Paulie? Saddle Ranch, Sunset Boulevard. Is it still there? Checking. Okay. All right, we'll take a break. Last call for a phone call. It's been an interesting show. Different show. Is it still open, Paulie? <laughs> Saddle Ranch Chop House. Chop oh. House. Yeah, Sunset Strip. Oh, okay. Yeah, we saw the, the person with the wig. We were there for the Miami, who did Miami play in the national title game? Miami, Nebraska, Eric Crouch. Yeah. We were out there doing that game for ESPN Radio. And the night before the game, we went to Saddle Ranch on Sunset (laughs) and had a pretty good time. And a bunch of, I think think there's some Miami players there. We we hung out with some big dudes. Wait, who had the the toupee on? There there was a girl with a long wig on, and when she flew off the uh, mechanical bull, her wig flew off. And uh, she had short hair underneath, and uh, she put it right back on and got right back up there. I think it was either Miami versus Nebraska or Miami, Michigan, something like that. Wait, was that the Rose Bowl that, yeah. that Michigan – was that when Tom Brady was on the sidelines? Yeah, we asked Tom Brady for an interview, and he smiled. He said, I'd really not like to do and that. And he had like one that. of those uh, chain, chain wallets. wallets. Yeah, he was super cool. Oh, okay. he looked – hey, he couldn't have been nicer turning us down. Could not have been nicer. Hey, thanks a lot for asking, but I'd really not yeah. like to do that. <laughs> okay, Tom. Hey, I just I, I just want to watch here. And I go, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Paulie was all excited he got turned down from Tom Brady. I was like, yeah, what? How did it go? He goes, no, he said no, but he was really, really nice. And you're like, you're supposed to book him. You're supposed <laughs> yeah. to get him to do the interview. Oh, sorry. Take a break. Last call for phone calls after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Close up shop here. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow. Kareem in Colorado. Hopefully I got that uh, pronunciation correct. Kareem? Yes, you did, Dan. Hey, first time, long time. Uh, five nine one seventy five. Hey, Dan, was it was it Michael Irvin that said brothers got cable in the hood? Too? Oh no, that's we. Who, that who, was who Ice that? Cube who said that. Well, Ice Cube. Well, hey, add add this one. Hey, brothers got YouTube in the hood too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and and all seriousness, Dan. Hey, man, I just want to tell you guys, man, I appreciate the show. Um, I'm a combat vet, uh, fourteen year. Uh, law enforcement. Um, I've been in the career for 14 years, and uh, this past week, man, has been very tough. Um, um, I'm a black man, 
Um, and some of the, the, the worst times I've been through on my job, man, I've been able to tune in into your show and uh, just get a good laugh and just listening to you guys. And I really enjoy your show. Uh, my kids do. My son, uh, he watches the show with me. My daughter, uh, they were watching some old clips on ESPN. They're like, Dad, is that Dan? I'm like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> so it was just so funny. But I appreciate you guys, man. Um, you know, it's going to take guys like yourself and like Rex Chapman said, um, white people, man, that have a voice um, speaking out on what's going on in our country, man, and just just being side by side with us and, and being an ally. I, I consider you an ally, Dan. Um, I, I just want to say keep doing what you're doing. Um, I appreciate you, man, and uh, you, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Stay on Thank hold. You. Marvin's going to get your information there. Uh, send some uh, T-shirts to the kids if that's okay, Kareem. Yeah, that's cool, Dan. Take care. All right. Oh, man. What an interesting show. Once again, when people say, how do you fill up all the time? You got three hours to fill and no games. I don't know. There might be one or two, maybe three days throughout all of this where I came in and I said, I don't know if we're going to fill three hours. And trust me, I, I want to talk sports. I would love to be able to talk about games. But we don't have that luxury. But there's not been a shortage of talking points here. Topics. Some good, some bad. But having the opportunity to be able to talk about them is a great luxury that we have every single day. And I'll go back to what I've said, and this is going to remain my philosophy. We can agree to disagree, but that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. doesn't make you a better person. It makes you a person. And that's what we try to do. I try to give you both sides. Hopefully I give you both sides. And we reach out to get both sides. Don't always get, you know, we reached out to Drew Brees. You know, when it comes to some of the other things that are going on, Malcolm Jenkins, we reached out to him as well. Michael Thomas of the Saints, we reach out. Now that doesn't mean they have to join us, but just so you know, I, I, we always tell Fritzy, fairness, equal time. That's what's important, and that's how we're, we're trying to present these topics. And they're sensitive topics. I never thought that we would be revisiting Colin Kaepernick. I thought that that was, we're going to agree to disagree, we move forward with it. And then here we are, back in the news again. Let's go around the room, what we learned on the program. Um, Fritzy, I'll start with you. What did you learn today? I loved uh, all of Rex Chapman's stories, but the one in particular, his sister once hung up on Michael Jordan when he was calling to recruit him to go to North Carolina. McLovin, what did you learn today? Rex Chapman got a little shy when you were asking about what he may or may not have gotten at Kentucky. <laughs> or any other school there. $100 handshakes. Nope. From my parents. Seton O'Connor. Rex Chapman's got stories. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And I spent time with him in person, and, and he's, just, he's just a likable guy. He really is. He just wants to laugh. He's really good at, at you know, picking horses. He grew up in Kentucky, but he's really good when it comes to picking the horses. And I think we had him on picking the Kentucky Derby a couple of times there. Paulie, what'd you learn today? If Rex Chapman didn't injure his ankle in 94, he may have joined the Bulls for Michael Jordan's next run where he won three titles. Yeah, I think there was a trade in place, he said, 
and he was going to take Ron Harper's place or be traded for Ron Harper. And Rex was going to the All-Star game. He dislocated his ankle right before that. And uh, the trade never materialized. Jordan comes back from baseball and Ron Harper gets to ride coattails there to win a couple of championships. Oh, man. Rex's laugh, though, like when he tells his story and he's really into that story, it's, it's good. Good stuff. How about this day in sports history, Paul? Thanks for asking, Dan. 1964, Sandy Koufax threw his third career no-hitter. That's People always say white whales of guests you'd like to have on your show. Mm. That's a sneaky one for me because nobody interviews that guy. He just doesn't like to talk about himself. And I always, like there was, whenever I think of Sandy Koufax, I always think of that big delivery, you know, just the way he was able to, you know, have so much torque with his body and he would, he just would dominate people. And he had these movie star looks. He just looked, and he, he went to the University of Cincinnati. Played baseball at the University of Cincinnati. Did you guys know that back row? No, no idea. Wait, your patron saint, you did no, not know? This nice day obscure facts. Nice job. Yeah. I know where Sean Green went to high school. No, I don't. Do you know the first athlete to be on a Wheaties box? Is it Sandy Koufax? No. Mark Spitz? Nope. Is it a Jewish athlete? Because I'm running out of here. I got like three more. Um, I don't Rod Carew. No, <laughs> Rod Carew. Uh, it's Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, first athlete to be on a Wheaties box. What else do you have, Paulie? This is a good one for you, Dan. 1976, the Boston Celtics defeated the Phoenix Suns in triple overtime in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Gar Hurd hit the shot and uh, sent it into overtime. Anything else there, Paulie? That's it. Okay. Todd, what did I learn on today's award-winning program? Tim Legler says he's tough to beat in a climate-controlled environment, said he could beat you shooting left-handed. I know. That'll, I, I'll never take him up on it because even if I win, I'm supposed to win. And if I don't win, that dude beat me left-handed. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. They made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Thanks for the emails, tweets, phone calls. We'll do it again tomorrow. Meet Friday. Have a great day, everybody.